millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Peter Murrell, otherwise known as Mr. Nicholas Sturgeon, is an innocent man. He is innocent until proven guilty. That is an absolute bulwark of our legal system, and it will not be broken here on the show this evening. So if you manage to get your telephone call onto the show, please make sure that you are not in breach of the 1981 Contempt of Court Act in Scotland, which provides condign punishment for those acting in contempt of court on a matter which is, or at least was until half an hour ago, sub judice. It is not sub judice now because Peter Mull has been released without charge and therefore we are a little bit freer than we would have been if he had been charged, but we are still not free. The interests of natural justice make clear that we must be careful what we say, especially on any presumption of guilt. But this much we know, that Nicola Sturgeon did not know the police were about to arrest her husband, Peter Murrell. It was entirely coincidental that she left the house at 10 past 8 this morning and the police arrived at 8.30. It was a close call. She might even have bumped into them as she drove out of the cul-de-sac. Neither is it true that the police delayed this arrest this morning until the continuity candidate of Sturgeon and Murrell was safely ensconced as the Chief Minister, First Minister of Scotland. That too was a coincidence. And some people are alleging otherwise, but I would not. Although I do have a bridge here in London that I could sell you going cheap. The facts are that the police were just slow off the mark with their arrest. Hamza Youssef just got in just in time, just like Nicola Sturgeon got out of the house this morning, just in time. I've got a bone to pick with the Police Scotland. I might uh, as well get it off my chest right now. You will recall that now, months ago, this show was threatened in a bomb attack. And the threatener said that if the bomb failed to work, he would knife me with a sword. He very helpfully put his name at the bottom of the threat. More than that, he even more helpfully put his address at the top of the threat. Even more helpful than that, he affixed a copy of his photograph next to his address and his name on the bomb and knife threat 
that he sent to the mother of all talk shows. Police Scotland took up the matter because that was where my residence was. They spent a lot of time taking statements about where everyone was when this threat arrived. And since then, we have heard absolutely nothing. Despite the man giving his name, address and photograph, he has not been arrested. You might well wonder if another politician who was threatened by this man or any other man giving so much of themselves away would have been arrested. Maybe Police Scotland are just very slow to make arrests. They've been slower in the Murrell case because they've been investigating 600,000 pounds of missing SNP funds for well over a year. And it's not the only investigation that the Police Scotland force are involved in. All kinds of investigations into the governing parties' inner workings and their relationship with outer organisations have been ongoing, again, in this case, for more than a year. I hope that under Hamza Youssef, Police Scotland will get the resources they quite evidently need to do a more efficient job. And then that the courts will back them up. Scotland is in uproar at the community service picking up litter given to a 21-year-old man for raping a 13-year-old girl in a park. The reasoning, the judge says, was that the SNP's law required judges to be lenient with defendants under the age of 25 because, the law says, a man's brain is not fully formed until he's 25. Which makes it all the more strange that the same SNP reduced the voting age from 18 to 16 and are trying to reduce it to 14. So you get to pick up litter. As J.K. Rowling said today, your first rape is for free in Scotland if you're under 25. What happens to people who self-identify as under 25 is not yet clear. All of the foregoing will have alerted the most perspicacious viewers that I really don't like the Scottish Nationalist Party. But then at least 45% of their own members don't like them either. And grandees like Jim Sillers, their former deputy leader, like them even less than me. So as we say in Scotland, their tea is out. They're in for the mother of all thrashings when the parliamentary by-election in central Scotland takes place in the summer of this year. And when every successive electoral contest takes place, I believe the Scottish people will be telling them how much they dislike them also. But of course, much, much bigger news unfolded in the farce in Manhattan earlier this week. The decision by DA 
brag, and he certainly did lots of bragging about it, to charge the last president of the United States of America for paying hush money to a slattern in the name of Stormy Daniels was itself a bold, even reckless move. But dazzling some of the best legal brains in America, one of whom we've got coming up as a guest in the second hour, dazzling some of the best American legal brains, the reason Bragg gave in the court for reheating this cold case that the federal authorities had already considered and dismissed was that Trump had done this in order to cover up a felony that he would otherwise have had exposed. Except Bragg was unable to name the felony and therefore Donald Trump was required to plead guilty or not guilty, as it happened, he pled not guilty to a crime which was supposed to have been a cover-up of another crime which the state of New York is either unable or unwilling to identify. In any normal courtroom, that would have been cause for the striking out of the grand jury indictment that Trump was facing, but this was no normal court. Liberals are up in arms because Trump identified that the daughter of the judge, the daughter of the judge, had previously worked for Vice President Kamala Harris and President Joe Biden, the very man that Donald Trump is going to fight in the 2024 presidential election. Now, I can think of no fact more relevant than that the judge in the case would appear to have a daughter who is an activist, a super activist in the opposing party. Liberals are also up in arms that the Trump camp has had the temerity to point out that the district attorney himself was paid for in his election campaign by George Soros, Trump's biggest opponent on the earth. And there are a lot of competitors for that title. What could be more relevant than the fact that the district attorney's election expenses and all of his costs in running to be the DA in New York were paid for by the high priest, the guru, the Dalai Lama of liberalism and globalism in the form of Mr. George Soros. I saw the proceedings unfold. They were unseemly. At least half of America will consider them unseemly. And even some of the other half must have been shifting somewhat uneasily. Bill Clinton, for one, in the Democratic camp, must have been wondering that if it's a crime to pay hush money to slatterns, then he might very well be the next guy in trouble. If it's a crime to have flown on Jeffrey Epstein's jet, if it's a crime 
to have, well, let me just put it this way, danced with some of Jeffrey Epstein's nubile young maidens. I'm sure he did no more than that. Then perhaps Bill Clinton will be next in line. Maybe Hunter Biden, who didn't just pay hush money to slatterns, he paid hush money to crack cocaine suppliers. He paid hush money to the big guy, whoever that big guy may be. He paid 10% to the big guy on money that came from all over the world, but mainly from the Ukraine. You're beginning to get a picture here about how perverse all of these proceedings have turned out to be. The question we're asking in our poll tonight is whether all of this will make it more or less likely that Trump will defeat Joe Biden when 2024 comes along, presuming God spares both of them. I myself am leaning to the view that Joe Biden and the Democrats will come to rue the day that they began this prosecution of Donald J. Trump, and that it will backfire, and that it may backfire in another way. That if and when Trump gets back in the White House and with control of at least the House of Representatives, if not both houses of Congress, then a terrible vengeance will be wrecked by Donald Trump on his persecutors. Not that I know. For all I know, Bragg may have something really big up his sleeve, but yesterday was the day to produce it. And he singularly failed to produce it. Who framed Roger Rabbit might be another name for this show this evening. Cold Cases Reheated may be a second name. But I want to turn to little Macron, little Napoleon, who, according to Bloomberg, flew to Beijing to warn China that if they got any closer to Russia, then serious consequences would ensue. I haven't yet looked at the comparison between the economic strength of China and the economic strength of France. I do know that France is on fire with literally millions of its citizens on the streets every day being clubbed and gassed and smoke-bombed by the thugs of President Macron, sometimes called the French police. And in parenthesis, I wonder just what goes through the mind of these Western leaders whose own country is in a state of pre-revolutionary upheaval. He is in China warning the Chinese government about a foreign war which ought to have nothing at all to do with him. But I did find some interesting statistics. Did you know that the city of Shanghai alone has a bigger GDP 
than the state of the Netherlands, no harm to the Netherlands, my own wife comes from there. But that's how puny the Netherlands economy is compared to China's. Finland, which is in the news this week, as the latest addition to NATO, has a GDP smaller than the city of Wuhan in China, which prior to the COVID outbreak, I had never even heard of. If you want to compare G7 economies, with one exception, you need to compare them with cities in China, not with China itself. The idea that these fleas are flying to China, an elephant, and biting its rear end and expecting to be noticed, expecting to be kowtowed to, is perfectly absurd. And yet that is what Macron and von der Leyen are doing. I wondered why von der Leyen was going. Now I know she's the bookie's red hot favorite to be the next general secretary of NATO because the Norwegian tailor's dummy Stoltenberg is stepping back from the post, having done everything that he could to drag us all into World War III. Von der Leyen, whose diplomatic skills are, how shall I put it, less than sharply honed, such that the German party of which she is a member sent her to the European Union to get her out of German politics. The European Union is now sending her to NATO to get her out of European politics. But von der Leyen and Macron are there in China to threaten, warn, or is it charm? Who knows? As I said earlier, the Chinese are impervious to charm, in my experience. Inscrutable is indeed the right word for them. And they react even more badly to threats. So for Europe's sake, and I am, of course, a European, for Europe's sake, I really hope that Macron behaves better in China than he has recently been behaving in France. I want to turn finally to the terrorist attack that took place in a cafe in St. Petersburg. I dealt with it when it had just happened on the show last Sunday, if you want to look back. By the way, in the last seven days, 1.24 million people watched all or part of the mother of all talk shows. And that's before we start Moats of Deutsch. That's before we start Moats America and one or two others that I have got up my sleeve. But I wanted to deal with the scarcely concealed glee, the scarcely concealed round of applause which Western media gave to a bomb explosion which decapitated a journalist and seriously wounded up to 40 other people whose only crime was they were sitting in a cafe with the target of the bomb. Bellingcat, the pet of the Western establishment, governments, 
liberal newspapers openly stated that the attack on Tartarsky was justifiable because he was not a journalist but a propagandist. We must hope that that idea does not catch on because I know quite a lot of journalists on the other side of this argument who could very easily be labelled as a propagandist rather than a journalist. And I don't know, I'm only guessing. It could be that Russia is able to do these kind of things at least as well, maybe better than the people who blew the head off Tartarsky. This ambivalent attitude to terrorism, which we see all the time, from Charlie Hebdo to London Bridge, from the head-chopping, throat-cutting of the Islamist terrorists ISIS and Al-Qaeda in Syria and our attitude to them in German Christmas markets or on the streets of Paris or of Brussels. This double standard about terrorism is another sign of the advanced decay of Western civilization. It is no surprise that people are turning away from us in droves. President Lula of Brazil is also in China. Macron, von der Leyen are in China. The Prime Minister of Spain is in China. There's a meeting tomorrow to solidify the peace agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia, where? Not in Camp David or on the White House lawn, but in China. There's a meeting tomorrow brokering peace between Syria and Turkey, where? In, in Moscow, in Russia. The Prime Minister of Malaysia made an agreement with the Chinese president just yesterday to set up an AMF, not an IMF, but an AMF, an Asian Monetary Fund. The queue of people trying to join the BRICS, the queue of people trying to join the Shanghai Cooperation Organization grows longer almost by the week. People are fleeing from us. They're fleeing away from us because of the degeneracy in our societies. Don't get me started adumbrating all the signs of that degeneracy, but one of them is that we'll applaud terrorism as long as it's blowing the head of somebody we disagree with. But if someone comes and blows our heads off, then they are indeed the Antichrist who must be hunted down. The countries from which they come must be sanctioned and may be invaded and occupied if necessary. This degeneracy that I have been speaking about now for three years has reached a critical stage. A critical mass has now been achieved in the stampede away from us and towards the east. Keep your seatbelts fastened. It's going to be a bumpy night. It's the mother of all talk shows. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now we're running a poll, as I said, is Trump more or less likely to be the next president of the States? A, more, B, less. You can vote on my Twitter feed, on this YouTube channel, on my Telegram channel, t.me forward slash George Galloway, or on the YouTube channel community poll. 10,227 people have voted already. And it's not looking great for Joe Biden, is all I can say. But let's deal first with the issue uh, that uh, took place in St. Petersburg. The, uh, the bomb which went off and maimed so many people, and injured, I think, 38 or 39 people were seriously wounded in the terrorist attack. But it isn't being treated as a terrorist attack in Britain. The Times made a cartoon of it. Bellingcat, on Sky News, I saw it, it may have been elsewhere, was allowed unchallenged to effectively justify the act of terrorism because Bellingcat and Sky News, by extension, didn't like the kind of things the journalist Tatarsky was guilty of writing. As I say, I really hope that doesn't catch on because there are plenty of journalists on the other side of that argument who would be in peril well, that to be the case. Let's talk to an Englishman abroad, an Englishman in St. Petersburg, and a former British military man at that. His name is Mike Jones. He is a very popular guest on this mother of all talk shows, and I'm glad to say he joins me now. Mike, uh, thanks uh, very much for uh, coming on the mother of all talk shows. And my condolences to you and all those who live in St. Petersburg for the heinous uh, act of terrorism that took place there. Um, tell us what kind of impact, first of all, it has made on the great city of St. Petersburg itself. Thank you, Mr. Galloway, for having me on your channel again. 
Yes, it was a devastating blow. Uh, my uh, partner, my ex-wife, she uh, was very concerned about that. This is a cafe that I myself had visited in previous occasions. I'd given speeches there myself. I have sat in that chair where Max Fomsen, to give him his real name, had sat himself when he lost his life. I had given talks there with colleagues of mine. Wow. This was undoubtedly a, well, in my opinion, it was a targeted attack through the, I agree with the Russian authorities, that it was a Navalny-linked, CIA-funded, possibly Ukraine special services uh, attack there to cause fear among people, people like myself. Russian authorities called it an attack on Z bloggers. So people like myself who understand the Russian cause, who understand the values that Russia is fighting to protect. And, uh, well, people like myself and John Mark Dugan, who has lost a very close friend of his in Daria Dugana, uh, we won't be perturbed by things like this, but we will learn the lessons and we understand the modus operandi of the CIA and the Western powers as they seek to silence our voices. Now, in your own discourse there, uh, you, 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 uh, you departed from what was the initial suspicion and accusation by the Russian authorities who quickly attributed it to the special forces of Ukraine. But am I right in saying that they now seem to concede that it was internal Russian criminals, albeit encouraged, perhaps facilitated, because it was quite a sophisticated operation. It wasn't a common or garden bomb. It wasn't a, an IED. It was a bomb, presumably with a timer, inside uh, a rather fine piece of sculpture. So not something that any Tom, Dick or Harry could pull off. So possibly assisted by, logistically assisted by outsiders, but nonetheless, a crime carried out by Russians, on Russians. Yeah, the latest reports is um, there are claims about a National Republic Army that are taking credit for this. But I think people with two brain cells to rub together can understand that there was outside support and funding. The suspect, Daria Trepova, uh, she had plane tickets booked out of the country. She cut her hair. She gave a fake name of Nastia. She is now claiming that she's set up. Uh, well, the case is ongoing, and I will not make judgments or, you know, uh, that sort of thing on her particular involvement in the case. But one must understand that such a thing as you have just said, she, in her social media, apparently was a artist, a sculptor. Her husband was arrested in anti-war protests, closely linked to the anti-corruption fund, which, of course, is Navalny-funded and understood, hence why, from his foreign funding, has been part of the reason why 
he's been involved in this legal court case. I will not comment further because it's outside of my uh, knowledge and research. But as I understand, uh, there are foreign powers influenced in Navalny and therefore in her husband and therefore with her. They are clearly against the special military operation and also the conveyance of the information of that special military operation. So they were pieces in the puzzle that were utilized, in my opinion, my personal opinion, I believe that these factors were utilized to the benefit of the West in furthering their aims against the Russian cause and causing terrorist acts to try and silence people like Andrian Bucket, who was attacked in Istanbul, who nearly had his throat cut by what he claimed were SBU or Ukrainian special forces. Whilst Ukrainian special forces have been linked to this attack, I personally understand that Ukrainian special forces are, are answerable to Uncle Sam and therefore the CIA. So in my opinion, this is a CIA-funded and perpetrated attack with its intended consequences, which is to try and instill fear in the population of those who are trying to convey the truth and the message from Russia to the West, because it's become problematic. I myself have faced those very same problems from fact checkers like News, NewsGuard, who have shut my YouTube channel down, banned me for a week, demonetized me, tried to silence me, and now have tried to instill fear in me. Unfortunately, I am. I can't convey my sadness and condolence to Max Fomsen's family, a wife and three children who have suffered the consequences. I do understand that in that cafe, there was a child that was injured as well, along with many others. This is a heinous act, as you yourself have described, that in any other circumstances, the West would denounce. But in this case, it is celebrated. And as you yourself have pointed out, as I have on my YouTube channel, the Times, among others, have celebrated with cartoons the murder and terrorist attack, the death of an individual, a journalist, no less. For me, well, look, uh, Mike, I can sense the I can sense the sadness uh, in your voice. Just before we uh, leave the Russian end of this, uh, do you happen to know where the flight tickets found on the person who handed over the statuette uh, were to? To which country was she about to fly? Thank you. That's a good question. No, at this point, I was not told the specific country that she intended to flee to. I do understand that she gave a fake name to the cafeteria when she entered it as Nastia, which is not consistent with Daria. And she had cut her hair a significant length and dyed it. Uh, these are the details that I was told from my investigation of it. I, from and, the top of my head, I believe And the husband is under arrest uh, also. You think it was Estonia? Uh, do you do you? Uh, can you tell us was the husband also arrested? 
Uh, he was previously arrested as part of an anti-war protest. As I understand, he's out of the Russian Federation. Uh, off the top of my head, I believe he's in something like Poland. He's in the EU. He's in a safe place. And she was intending to join him. That is to my understanding. However, this case is developing as we speak, which is why the Institute for the Study of War has criticized Russia for an inconsistent narrative on this. You'll understand that the case has developed from a murder in a generally dangerous way to a terrorist act. Yes, uh, I want to move to that. Um, I want to move to the double standard towards terrorism so brazenly, bloodily, uh, uh, and graphically illustrated in Western coverage of this. This was a bomb that didn't just murder somebody. It could have murdered 50 people. It wounded uh, the best part of uh, 50 people. One of them, a child. Many of them, women. We could have been looking at 50 dead bodies in that cafe. So the first thing to say is just how many dead civilians are justifiable collateral damage to blow up a man whose crime was to blog, to write words on a blog. How many collateral casualties would appear to be acceptable in the West to carry out that murder? We've, we've seen it evidenced with Lindsey Graham back before 2014, where he, he rubbed his hands as if from a Shakespearean play, out damned spot. He said we would fight to the last Ukrainian as he rubbed his hand. It's inconsequential. When it comes to Ukraine, as many lives as is necessary to further the cause, to maintain whatever they wish to maintain. Is it the unipolar world? Is it the hegemony that they had before? It's absolutely catastrophic. We are seeing these lives lost. The men, husbands, fathers, brothers, etc. in Artyomovsk slash Bakhmut. And then we're seeing it carried on in these heinous acts in the Russian Federation as well against journalists, people that the West say are so protected, so proclaimed, so you know, holy in their message. And yet these very same people like Julian Assange, that they are pressing charges against and ruining lives of. It's just the double standards that is just baffling. It really is just incomprehensible how they can maintain all of this, and the world is waking up. Your viewers are waking up. No, we're you, preaching to the uh, choir. You have bravely, you have bravely said that uh, this will not intimidate you, and that you will continue to uh, speak your mind. Um, what is the attitude of the general public about it, and what does the Russian state intend to do to prevent? this kind of terrorism from spreading? 
I can't speak for the Russian state. Uh, as I understand, obviously, security is very much tightening, particularly in regard to Victory Day. Uh, when it comes to the Russian public, every act like this only serves to harden the resolve, only serves to reinforce the message of Putin that this is an existential crisis, that now we have the news of Finland joining NATO. Here we have NATO on the border. You cannot play into the hands if, if Putin was a madman repeating rhetoric and delusional things of NATO trying to invade and all this, you are simply just playing into that hand of that narrative. But that's not a delusional case. It really is reality. And if you try and converse that back to the US, it would never be accommodated. It would never be accepted. But here is the reality. We have NATO creeping on the border of the Russian Federation with the stated aim of dismembering and destroying all that is Russian. Let's not forget the war on God. In Kiev against the Orthodox Church, we have had this thing underreported in the West. I've not seen many reports, if any, about this segregation and this attack upon priests of all people in churches with military armed men going into storm churches to evict priests. Never have we seen this since the Second World War. And I am ashamed that we well, are the, seeing it. The head, uh, the head of the church is wearing an electronic tag. Absolutely. Yes, you're absolutely right. Electronically tagged. What does this say about freedom and democracy? And freedom of religion. We have the Kiev-installed church evicting the orthodoxy that has existed for thousands of years. Do you, I, I'm without words. I, I Honestly, I can't believe I'm seeing what I read in textbooks and I believed was consigned to history. We are seeing it unfold before our eyes and we have complacency in the West, if not double standards, if not worse. I can assure you it's worse. Mike Jones, thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. And I'm sure I speak for the whole audience when I again convey my condolences through you to the great people of uh, St. Petersburg. Is Trump more or less likely to be the next president of the United States in the wake of his arraignment in a Manhattan courtroom this week? On Twitter, where a thousand people have voted, 82% uh, of those think he is more likely now to be president next time in 2024. On YouTube, 87% think more likely. On the Telegram channel, 85% think more likely. And on the YouTube community poll, 84%. So pretty overwhelmingly the audience so far thinks that the net effect of this kangaroo court that had Trump in front of it yesterday will actually have helped him. Uh, what an irony that would be. Uh, YouTube comments, Anthony1981 says, if I ever wrote a memoir, 
I'd want George Galloway to do the audio version. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, Big Narok uh, says, China are like the Borg from Star Trek. I've never seen that, so I can't see whether that's meant to be a compliment or an insult. Uh, JP Rolls, Rolls says, good heavens, said Ogilvy. There's a man in the cylinder and it's Joe Biden blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. Very well said. John O'Brien said, a man is not capable of knowing what he's doing until after he is 21. Then why are they teaching children about transgenderism? They have gone mad. Don't get me started on that, John. Tom McTeague says, soon BRICS will have enough letters in it to be called supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. That is the message of the night. That is brilliant, Tom. <laughs> BRICS will eventually be supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Ah, Ken is in Woking on Trump. Let's hear from him. Ken, go ahead. Yeah, I've got um, a couple of things I'd like to send to you. Um, I've had to write it down because I'm very nervous. But um, Trump did nothing okay, at all for Julian Assange, who told the truth. Now Trump is being victimised. If you don't stand up for the truth, you will be next to be subdued. Exactly. Absolutely correct. Uh, as Pastor Naimola uh, immortally pointed out, uh, at, at the time of the Holocaust, that they came for the Jews, and I was not a Jew, and I did not protest. Then they came for the communists, and I was not a communist, and I did not protest. And then they came for the socialists, the trade unionists. I was neither, so I did not protest. And then they came for me. And that is exactly now what is happening for Trump. Trump could have pardoned Julian Assange. He certainly merited it. And who knows, maybe even Joe Biden's in such a fragile place with uh, some of his voting base that he'll have to do the same. He'll have to drop the charges. Maybe, just maybe. Uh, but Trump had every reason to pardon Julian Assange and he did not do so. And that was a very, very great pity. Ken, last word to you. Um, I've got eight illnesses wrong with me. I've worked hard all my life. I didn't smoke and I drank rarely. Is there any chance of saving the NHS instead of wasting money going to a war in Ukraine? Awfully powerful point, Ken. And I'm sorry for your troubles. Uh, I spoke to someone from the NHS uh, in an airport just yesterday uh, who described uh, just how powerless and how pressed uh, the clinical teams are in our NHS right at this moment. It almost brought him to tears as he described the situation to me. Ken, thanks for that. Malcolm is in Glasgow, wants to talk about the SNP. Careful now, Malcolm. I'm being very careful, and I, I you know, I, I, I feel for your last caller, Ken, and uh, I agree with him on that front. Uh, now, George, I would like to, um, I would like to apologise to all third world countries, and however you define a third world country, 
on behalf of Scotland, I would like to apologise to all third world countries because we put them to shame. We have had resignations left, right and centre. And to your international audience, George, I'd just like to explain how pernicious it is. I think Scotland is possibly the only country in the world whereby the government appoint the chief executive for the police force and name him on the cabinet. And George, I want to go one step further and say this actually is election rigging because, uh, oh, I can't say that. Uh, uh, Sturgeon's wife should have been prosecuted two years ago and then that would have put that into the political arena. So Scotland is makes the third world countries look exemplary. Uh, and I'd like you to abambrate ab on that, please, George. Well, uh, it's a very powerful uh, case that you make, and I entirely agree with it. The chief law officer in Scotland, the one who decides whether prosecutions go ahead or not, is a member of the ruling party's cabinet. Uh, the uh, chief of the police force, as was, he recently uh, stepped down, uh, was appointed by the Scottish government. And many people think that uh, that was reflected in his performance. I couldn't possibly comment. The media has been bought and paid for until this moment by the nationalist government in Scotland. Tens of millions of pounds of British taxpayers' money is spent on what is effectively hush money to hush the media about the multiple scandals. It would take me the rest of the show just to list them. The multiple scandals uh, that have been mounting in Scotland over the last 13 years of SNP rule. Uh, but so much public money goes to the media houses whose job it is to hold government to account to shine a powerful light on what's happening in government, uh, that they simply switch the light off and make no even desultory attempt to hold the political power in Scotland to, uh, to account. I honestly believe that Scotland is in the running to be the worst governed country in the world, it is without doubt the worst run government and country in Europe. And I include Albania, I include Kosovo. It is already the worst run country in Europe, but it may be in the running for the worst run country in the whole world. It certainly has the worst record of drug deaths in the entire world. It's not Mexico City, it's not Colombia, it's not Bogota, it's Scotland. Go figure. Malcolm, powerful, thank you. Now, let's go swiftly to the legal eagle himself. Lionel, a New York lawyer, if I was ever in trouble, there's only one man I'd hire. It is the one and only Lionel. So good that, like Madonna, he only goes by one name, Lionel. How wonderful to George. see you again. I mean, every George. cloud has a silver lining, 
Yeah. Would that I were able to explicate, to limb, describe with any degree of accuracy how my heart swells. Not, not only seeing you, but being, gracing the portals of the mother of all talk shows. I am beside myself. Thank you. I, you have no idea how many people. I have a dear friend, Declan, from Ireland, who called me and says, you know George Galloway? I said, no. I said, I taught him everything he knows but not everything I know. Proceed, sir. <laughs> I told you he was mellifluous. I told you he was erudite. I told you he was coruscating. Well, he'll be coruscating on the next <laughs> bit, I can assure you. Because or I read his missives every single day. I actually read Lionel every day. And so should you. And Thank you. We'll explain later how you can do so. Uh, because... Every cloud has a silver lining, Lionel. Uh, Trump's uh, under a cloud, but the silver lining is that it's right next door to you and you'll be able to illuminate a very big canvas using that as uh, this uh, brush. Uh, tell us, first of all, for those who don't follow you yet, uh, what's your general take on the attempt to prosecute Trump on this case. With all due respect to Banana Republic's absolute Banana Republic, it is, it is the most scurrilous, the most antithetical to this, George, and I hold this up with, with all love. This is our constitution. This is the only thing, this is my Bible. This is the only thing that I, as an American citizen and lawyer, care about. Not politics, not ideology, not this left-right paradigm, not this nonsense. Imagine this, George. You are about to be elevated to most certainly the uh, candidate, the nominee for 2024. He would be the second president after Grover Cleveland to serve two non-consecutive terms. And right before this happens, this prosecutor, a George Soros-funded dupe, an apparatchik, a robot, an automaton, a quizzling, he, he files a charge that no one, but no one who has even a, 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 a paucity of understanding of the legal system in our jurisprudential history can understand how he could do this. Now, let me say something. We are looking at, President Trump is looking at six total uh, events, uh, pieces of exposure, cases, potential crimes, civil and criminal. It's a litany, six. Now, this is the first one and by far the weakest. And George, as I've always pledged to you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, while the president may do very well with this one, it's the second and third that I fear very much for him. Because as you know, I always tell people, you cannot live a good life in this country without committing at least three felonies by the time you're 30. Everybody has committed crimes, everybody. But the thing is you haven't been charged or somebody didn't think it was worthwhile in view of the totality of the demise of civilization to charge you with spitting on the sidewalk or whatever it is. However, George, I've never seen anything like this man in my life. He is, he pulls from people 
two different reactions. Absolute love, a, a an unending, abrupting, nagging, an inane love to the point of a cult worship or a kind of a, a sadomasochistic loathing that even hits almost towards the fetish level. They are alive by their hate. It, it gives them reason. Their rests on detra. They hate, therefore they are. I mean, he does it. There's nobody in between. There's no eh, no eh, or meh when it comes to Donald Trump. He is brash. He's brazen. He's he's churlish. He's boorish. But George, he, there is, there is not a politician in my lifetime. And we thought Reagan was good. We thought certainly Bill Clinton was good. But nobody like him. Now, let me also just remind you as to this first case, what he is charged with, and you knowing politics, you you would get this. Imagine, George, if for some particular reason, and I know this is ridiculous to even to even think this, but let's assume you had some some dalliance. And for whatever reason, you decided that you didn't want the world to know about this. And you entered into a an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. Legal, it is the thing of Hollywood. It's it, there's nothing wrong with it. But in this particular case, I, as your as your factotum, your dim box, your amanuensis, your man Friday, I decide I'm going to pay this woman and then maybe later on you can reimburse me for them. Is that against the law? No, it's not. However, because you're running for office, one could construe, George, that that payment that I, through this Rube Goldberg type of labyrinthine concoction, this 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 contraption, if you will, I've come up with this transaction, and it would benefit you politically, as a lot of things would. So therefore, one can construe, it's kind of like an in-kind contribution. And through this duct-taped, chicken-wired, kind of a cobbled-together Frankenstein monster trying to revivify a case that everybody has passed on, which, by the way, ended in 2017, a year after the election. Let me say this again. After. That is the basis for this. Not only that, the statute of limitations, the period of time in which the state has to bring the charges against you, that has clearly lapsed. So it is a dog. It, it is without, it, it is, nobody can understand how this even happens. But are you familiar with what Mr. George Soros has done? The um, He's the benefactor of many, many uh, prosecutors to advance this criminal legal studies. You've heard of criminal race theory or uh, uh, this, this, that criminal, <laughs> it was an interesting pun, critical, critical, excuse me, critical race theory. Yes. And I might've been right the first time, but there's, there, there are these new ways of thinking, George, in which this new vision of, of law enforcement is to, is to let people go. This thing called restorative justice, where George, you, the man who hit you, the man who bludgeoned you, the man who stabbed you, who robbed you, who burgled your home, who destroyed your life, George, it doesn't serve society at all to penalize him, to incarcerate him in this carceral hell. No, we want to bring him back in you together in this restorative um, reunion. It is sheer lunacy. That is the man. This is a man who will let who downgraded 40 to 50% of all felonies in New York City, 
to let these miscreants, these poor misunderstood people. But when it comes to Donald Trump, oh, he's Torquemada. He's Beria. Remember Stalin's Beria. Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. He's uh, he's Cesare More. He's he's Mussolini's man. I mean, this is this is medieval. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm taking over your show, and I don't mean to, but I'm very passionate about this. No, you're not. It is uh, it is dazzling, and I'm I'm suitably dazzled. Does that mean then that Donald Trump's going to walk free from this one? He very well could. He very well could. He will be doing you no. Know, even if he's found guilty or he's guilty, there there's no jail even remotely possible for this. They charge him with 34 counts. 34 instances of the same event. Um, if you take a piece of um, anything and you chop it up into 34 pieces, it's still that thing. But George, l- let me talk about the reality here. And again, you knowing politics. I ask my friends, do you think Donald Trump really wants to go back to the White House? Do you think he really wants to subject his wife, his son, his family to go back to that city, to go back to that that tomb, that jail, to go through this again. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how anybody in their right mind could think that's possible. There is a part, George, of him where Donald Trump loves to be Donald Trump. Keep in mind something. This is a man who in the 80s was the biggest thing in New York. I mean, the toast of the town. You couldn't. He, he, he was on every show. He was at every cocktail party, never drank, but he he was it. They loved him. He decided he was going to go into TV. He did a show called The Apprentice. Went to number one, 16 years in a row, out of nowhere. Then he says, I'm going to run for office. They said, city council, parks commission? No, president. And they laughed. He went after the biggest, the 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 pantheon, if you will, of the of the biggest Republican firebrands and powerhouses, including Jeb Bush, from the oldest family, and he destroyed them. Then he went after Hillary Clinton and made mincemeat out of her, and he won. And I'm going to suggest something to you, which I tell people this. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I am, what Gore Vidal says, a conspiracy analyst. And I ask you this question. Do you think that if the shadow government, the ruling class, whoever runs the world, wanted Hillary Clinton to win, that they could have arranged this? I'll, I'll save you the time. Yes, absolutely. They would have done something. She's a formidable opponent. She, she Every poll said she was going to win, but she didn't. He won. Next question. Could the state of affairs, could this degree of, of decay that we're going through as a culture and as a country, could that have happened without Donald Trump being in office for four years to soup up and rev up every lunatic, every barely connected to reality, harebrained, schizoid, demented loon. No, he stirred the pot, which made the next iteration, the next salvo, the next, uh, I guess, version of this insanity even possible. I respectfully submit that it is not beyond the realm of reason to think that he served a very important purpose, and that is to make everything, to soften up the country so that his replacement could be a wizened, dotard, decrepit, 
hobbled by decrepitude, dotage, a man who walks around yelling, who ordered the veal cutlet? A man who, a friend of mine says, would you let Joe Biden drive you home from the airport? And I said, no. And there you go. We wouldn't be there. Do you know, George, we have a man who is a senator, bless his heart. By the way, I'm from the South. And whenever somebody says, bless his heart, that's not good. If somebody said, you know that George Galloway, he's a... He's not the brightest man, but bless his heart, not good. We have a man in Pennsylvania named George Fetterman who had a series of strokes. He is a phasic. He can't speak. He can't read. He can't comprehend. I'm not trying to mock him. He's a United States senator. He left to be hospitalized for depression so severe he had to be hospitalized. They brought him out. And he's back again. And instead of people saying, you know, uh, George, with all due respect, we don't think you possess the requisite wherewithal to be a senator. No. The left says, isn't he something? Isn't he a isn't he a tribute? Tribute to what? I don't know. I, again, I have some wonderful relatives that I would not want as a U.S. senator. So now we have a, a dotardist president who imagines things. George, you don't understand this. We thought Dan Quayle was stupid because he couldn't spell potato. This makes Dan Quayle look like Ed Witten, some supersymmetry particle physicist. This is our president. We have a vice president who has hebephrenia, pseudobulbar affected cachinations, these, these weird guffaws, inappropriate, these laughs and howls and cackles, an inability to understand the simplest of concepts. And the most unique ability to describe nothing. That's our second in command. We have a White House correspondent who, by the way, makes them all look like uh, something from the old Vic. We have a, a woman who has no idea. And we have a U.S. senator who is a phasic. I am convinced that one of these days we're going to have people, either through AI or AGI, who are basically dead, clinically dead in a number of states, who are going to be elected. And we will sit back and we'll say, isn't that wonderful? And I'm saying, but he's dead. No, no, no. As Monty Python would say, he's stunned. I am so embarrassed. I'm living in a world right now. And I'm thinking to myself, is it me? Am I missing the point here? Do you ever think sometimes, George, you hear a music, hear a band or something, or you eat something, you think, hey, they like this? This is horrible. Maybe it's me. Maybe, it, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm living in a parallel universe. Maybe the jokes are made. Maybe one day they're going to wake up and say, okay, we're kidding. I mean, this is, this is beyond, and they say that Donald Trump, when he was president, people loved him. He knew how to handle Putin, Xi Jinping, Middle East. I, I don't, he, he, he was, in some respects, if, if he was a savant, I have no idea. But all I know is they want, there's no need to cry, George. No need to lacrimate. It is okay. This this will be over soon. This will be over soon. I promise you. So anyway, I'm here and I'm questioning my sanity because I don't know what the hell is going on here. George, we have right now, listen to this. You have a beautiful family. And I've seen pictures and you're a lovely, lovely man, lovely wife. Imagine your kids one day at a school when all of a sudden some six foot five John Waters monster, this dystopian drag queen, with phallic accoutrement and, and appurtenances coming in, gyrating in front of your children. And you're saying, 
wait a minute. I don't think this is appropriate. You transphobic, you, you hate. No, no, these are children. You, children, you, you know, children, sometimes they don't even know what their favorite color is, George. Your children can say things like, I'm Batman. I'm a girl. I'm a boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Get back with me. They say things. Imagine you and your wife saying, I know just the doctor and off your daughter goes for a hysterectomy, a mastectomy, or your son gets an orchiectomy, a panectomy, a, a just puberty blocking, applied by, by the most prestigious hospitals in the UK. And people are lauding this. And you're thinking, am I, is this a parallel universe? What, what is happening here? What happened to my country? And people are saying, isn't this wonderful? No, it's not wonderful. Oh, you're a right wing uh, lunatic. You're trans. This is what we're going through right now. We have open borders. We have crime. We had Asians absolutely targeted by street, street uh, ruffians and miscreants. And our mayor, who, by the way, covers the the excitement spectrum from A to B and oaf in his own right, looks the other way. And I'm thinking to myself, this is crime. We're not talking about subtlety. So my great country, theoretically, under the, the auspices of this wonderful constitution, is, is an insane asylum. And as Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, Americans have a choice between either normal or crazy. We have crazy people running this country. I mean, crazy lunatics. It, it's it's. There's nothing that I can say to even begin to explain the, the degree of depravity of which I live. Not many people leave me speechless, Lionel, but you just did. <laughs> it was a tour, a tour de force. A tour de force. Yeah, a tour de farce. Uh, of, <laughs> no, well, a tour of farce. Did you see Peter Sellers' last film, Being There? Being There. And Chance, the, greatest? the gardener. Chance, Ch I like to I, watch, I, Ben. I like to watch. Or with the, Yes. I like to watch. It's funny that that's the line that I remember most also. But if you see... He, he was... Remember... Yeah, yes. Oh. Did you see the outtakes of Peter Sellers trying to keep a straight face uh, during some of these I, scenes? I, uh, th I did recall that. They are weight I did in gold. Do you remember when he walked that's on the wall? That's what we're looking at. Do you at, also right? remember? Yeah. You remember at the end? Yeah. What was the music that was playing at the end? It was Deodato, Aomir Deodato, playing uh, also Spock, the 2001 theme which they said there was a, a Kubrick kind of a connection into it. And I have watched that so many times. One of my favorite scenes, and this was also Prussian, Vatic, dare I say, Pythonic, is that when he was being robbed, he pulled out his, his remote control, his clicker, and he tried to change the channel because his world was a, was a TV screen. And, and it was, it was, it was one of my favorites. That, of course, The Godfather, the movie Network changed my life. And Fatso with Dom DeLuise was one of my favorites. I don't have a very a deep uh, list of favorite movies. 
But I'm with you in that. And I also think, you know, um, George, there, there's something that's interesting. My favorite is when people bring up, and I find this so interesting. One of my areas of fascination is the Holocaust, specifically how seemingly rational people could not necessarily involve themselves in the obliteration of humanity, but know about it and just kind of say, well, you know. And I've always been fascinated by Gustave Le Bon and the notion of murmurations. I love to watch starlings and schools of fish and how they all fly in unison in order to conserve energy and to protect each other. That's what we do. And we can all of a sudden, when I was a kid, we had a show, Bullwinkle, and it was Boris and Natasha. And this was post-Cold War. And so help me God, when people talk about Russia and uh, Zelensky and Ukraine, I think they're hearkening back to Boris and Natasha. Uh, Drago, uh, 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 Rocky, uh, Khrushchev with the shoe. This portrayal of Russians is despicable, of, 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 of very unattractive, mean, perpetually dyspeptic. You know, they always say Putin is a thug. And I'm saying, what do you know about it? Well, in 1962, 90 miles from the coast of Florida, is a place called Cuba. And the Russians decided to keep some missiles there. We almost went to World War III over that, and nobody thought anything of it. And I say, I explain, let me show you this map. This is Russia. This is Ukraine. This is the border. This is a, this is, this is the border. Not only that, we don't understand the idea of intermarriage or whatever. And people will say, well, that's different. Why? Because that's Putin. And I'm thinking, you just, did well, you think, did you learn that? I'm sorry, we're going into that now. I, I'm just, no, it they reminds didn't, me of they being didn't learn that. They, they murmurated. They, 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 they sailed right. off like a school of particularly doltish fish. I'll tell you what, Lionel, <laughs> we're going to have to put this interview out as a special because it's been really special. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for it for coming on the mother of all talk shows. But we must go because there's so much you, more still to do. Is Trump more or less likely to be the next POTUS? It's overwhelming. 81% say more, 87% say more. Telegram, 85% say more. YouTube community, 83% say more. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Gino is in the Bronx. Let's hear from Gino. Go ahead, Gino. Good evening, Mr. Galloway. I, I, I had an nice to hear from you again. Oh, thank you. Like, go, good to hear you again. I, I, I had an in-the-body experience listening to my voice of, uh, about three minutes ago, taped from the past. Me for uh. more for this experience, man. So, George. Okay. I, where to begin? George, well, first of all, I guess before, if I have to say anything the most important, I got a couple of quotations uh, that I would like to offer to you, and then I could go on maybe a little bit to some of the notes I wrote down. I, I got to write a book responding to you. <laughs> so here's okay. one. Okay. 
Uh, here's one. Uh, think on these things. It's an Edgar Casey reading book. Little little quotations. I take it on the train. It's a small little book. But here's a couple of quotations for you in the audience. I think you might enjoy. It says the church is within yourself, and not in any pope or preacher, or in any building, but in self. For thy body is indeed the temple of the living God, and the Christ becomes a personal companion in mind and in body, dependent upon the personality and the individuality of the entity as it makes practical applications of the tenets and truths that are expressed. Now that's one, but here's another one. Amen. Very quick. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Jesus is the man, the activity, the mind, the relationships that he bore to others. Yes, he was mindful of friends. He was sociable. He was loving. He was kind. He was gentle. He grew faint. He grew weak and yet gained that strength that he has promised in becoming the Christ by fulfilling and overcoming the world. Ye are made strong in body and mind and soul and purpose by that power in Christ. The power then is in the Christ. The pattern is in Jesus. And that's a pattern, Edgar said, it's for the whole world. It's a pattern of selflessness. The more selfless we are, the more we'll be effective down here in bringing joy and, and compassion and wisdom onto the folks who are dealing with the propaganda we all grew up with. So, George, uh, uh, by the way, just quickly with uh, Lionel, I have to say I don't love Trump uh, other than in a, in a platonic way. I don't hate him. I feel bad for the man because he was good about telling the truth about the false politicians up there, the Bushes starting the wars, father over lies and all that. He just doesn't know how to handle the truth to himself. And when he bragged about not paying taxes right there, if the main sin down here is selfishness, right there he gave his cards away, his hand away. So there's half the country, Lionel, uh, is independent, and I haven't given up on Robert Kennedy Jr. and Tulsi Gabbard or somebody else who comes along with him. So remember, half the country didn't vote. 25% was Democrat, 25% was Republican, half are independent. So let us not squeeze them out of the picture as often happens in every cycle of election. No, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. Gino, I need to press on because of the hour and so many people trying to get on. Thank you for those quotations. Uh, Michael is in Washington State, still in the United States. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, good to hear you, George. And uh, thanks for uh, putting Lionel on. Spot on, spot on. Gino sounds like good man. Um, yeah, and thanks for the uh, reference to Peter Sellers and obviously Terry Thomas and the crew with the Monty Python. That's always good to hear. Yeah, I wanted to we, mention. We really, did, uh, we really did tour the horizon there, that's for sure. Great I'm going to watch being there when I get home. I'll remember to see that. Um, I it's wanted to great, mention great something. Uh, it's, it's all the more poignant because it was Peter's last, of course. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, Michael. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Um, there's a, uh, hasn't been mentioned, there's a concentration camp in 1913 called Taylorhof, T-A-L-E-R-H-O-F, run by the Austro-Hungarian Empire or the um, uh, the, the, the German uh, family at the time, or Austrian family at the time, I forget, their, I forget their names, but they were persecuting the Russians. So the Russians, you know, are probably particularly sensitive to being oppressed and per persecuted. And maybe it's because of Christians. This was at the time in 1913 with the king and queen, and 
shortly before the revolution and probably just before World War I. So they're particularly sensitive to these kinds of attacks upon their nation and their way of living. But it looks like there's a pattern here of, you know, the Azov battalions attacking the Russian, also Christians. Then you got Zelensky going after the priests there. And maybe by no coincidence that the paganistic tendencies in the United States, okay, and the alliance with the Democratic Party versus, I don't know, the Republicans, maybe the Christian ways, maybe there's some kind of a, maybe there's some kind of a thing there. What do you think? Yeah, well, I do think that our godlessness uh, is coming back to haunt us. I think the, the loss of belief in Western societies, all kinds of belief, uh, a belief in God, obvious, it's lost, gone, for a burden. Uh, but a loss of faith in, in, in the community, in the collective, in the, well, as I put it, uh, in the concept of us instead of me, in the concept of always as opposed to now, me and now, uh, has become the prevailing ethic in our society. And further, as uh, Lionel so peerlessly pointed out, if you don't accept the latest murmuration, uh, on uh, turning reality on its head, you are immediately assailed, metaphorically crucified, for standing up for your perspective on reality, uh, which may or may not be traditional. Mine is, as I think yours is. But paganism uh, and selfism is one of the manifestations of degeneracy to which I alluded in my opening remarks. So I'm with you to that extent, uh, Michael. I think people are running away from us, not just because of our overbearing, bullying and worse uh, attitude towards them, but because they don't see humanity, society, life, in the way that has become the prevailing orthodoxy here. They don't accept that there are 93 or 97 genders. They don't accept that, as Lionel put it, uh, very large men sporting appurtenances uh, should be cavorting sexually in front of our children. We don't accept that. And we will not have it here. Uh, and I could go on, but the hour is late. The level of degeneracy of Western society has become a real material factor in stampeding the rest of the world into the arms of others. Last word to you, Michael. Yeah, a democratic model might be constitution. We don't need no constitution. We got laws. Yeah, well, look, uh, don't get me started on, on drug laws and all the other laws uh, that uh, have contributed to this uh, current uh, situation. They talk about a war on drugs. There's never been a war on drugs. The United States government was involved in supplying 
drugs and profiting from drugs. That's what the Iran-Contra affair was all about. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Patreon uh, comments tonight. Don't forget to sign up and support me. Patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. I really do rely on that. Uh, Doris Wrench Eisler, good friend of ours, uh, says politics in the US and the West generally is a crazy seesaw, way scale phenomenon. Press one end and the other is automatically elevated. No effort required. Thanks as always, Doris, for all your support. Raymond Barker says, is Sturgeon getting the Corbyn treatment? Kindly, Raymond, don't mention the two of them in the same sentence. Uh, Monica Rangne, R-A-N-G-N-E, it says here, Monica, forgive me if that's wrong. I heard RFK Jr. say on Jimmy Dore a few weeks ago that he was running, but I haven't heard any more about that. Him against Trump, hmm, that would get the ones pulling the strings into a real tizzy, I bet. And Daniela Modus Cotter, I referred to her earlier, a member of our party and uh, uh, with important tasks uh, on issues of disability within the party. I think Trump will win, but when he says stuff like, I'm your retribution, kind of reminds me of the 1930s, 40s. Very scary, as I can see trouble ahead, either with Biden or Trump. I'm a Jimmy Dore man myself. I'm still hoping that Jimmy will run. John in the Midlands of the UK uh, wants to talk about cancel culture. On you go, John. You all right, George? How's it going? All right, sir. Yeah, good, mate. Good. Go ahead. I just want to talk about um, 40 years ago when I first bounced into a children's home. Um, it was absolutely horrendous what I was on the end of. And um, I really wanted to talk up, talk out about it. And all the, the boys and the girls in the children's home were like, um, you best not talk about it because if you do, you'll, you'll end up getting locked up, shushied up, assaulted, you know, all the bad things that go along with it. And I felt that I had to talk about it. And eventually I did. And lo and behold, yeah, I got shushied up. I got assaulted. I got locked up in a bad boys children's home. My name was Mud. No one wanted to work with me, key workers, anything like that. It was absolutely atrocious. And, you know, it took four years for it to come out. And when it did come out, you know, I had police knocking on my door saying, can you make a statement against it? And I was like, hang on, you wouldn't listen to me four years ago. I got locked up. My name was Mud. I got cancelled, everything. And lo and behold, this man went to in front of a judge and he got a big, hefty jail sentence. 
And one of the things that the judge said at the end of it was not the fact that he'd um, abused all these children. It was the fact that he'd used his position to... Um, forget the word's name. So, yeah. He'd abused... No, he'd abused he, he, his uh, position of trust he, and authority. His authority. Uh, John, yeah. I, yeah, John, I can't, I, I can't keep you on, but I am deeply moved by the story that you have told. And the moral of that story for me is that you had the courage to stand up and be counted and sing hallelujah. You were vindicated in your own lifetime. It used to be that Vindication came long after one was dead. You're one of the people who has been vindicated in their own lifetime. So kudos to you. Lance is in Canada, wants to talk about Poland. Go ahead, Lance. Hello, George. How are you? I, I saw... By the grace of God, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> I saw your interview in China, your, your show you did there. I really enjoyed it. Yes, um, thank you. It was you. fairly obvious, though, that uh, Li Jingjing likes older men because I thought she had a bit of a crush on Mr. Galloway. But anyway. Oh, um, don't say that. My good wife is sitting <laughs> six feet from me now. Oh, I'm sure she is. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I like Li Jingjing. She's pretty good. Um, uh, what was say? Oh, yeah. Okay, we talked about Poland annexing. You, you'd... Somebody had called you about, you know, Poland annexing part of the Ukraine when this is all over. And, I'm, yeah, you know, for a whole article, year I've been predicting five. it. And uh, mm -hmm. for a whole year I've been predicting it. And now Zelensky is in Warsaw confirming it. Poland and Western yeah, I, Ukraine are going to be one country. No borders. Yeah. Neither physical, nor economic, nor cultural, or most importantly, nor historical. Which, of course, means the necessity to the extirpation of the cult of Bandera because, hey, Bandera murdered hundreds of thousands of Poles in the lifetime of some people still alive today. Lance, go on. Oh, I guess my thought was Article 5 doesn't really have to be triggered by Russia. It only has to be triggered by CNN and, uh, you know, the mainstream media. So, and Poland is yeah. stocking up on a lot of weapons. So it's, I think that this Ukraine war, it's starting to look like, was just a practice as far as logistics and new weapons and testing Russia. Uh, there's a lot of resources east mm -hmm. of, well, in the Donbass and going east. So I think that, uh, yeah. you know, no matter what, those resources are going to be helped with democracy and uh, helped with human rights abuses and uh, things like that. Oh dear, I wish I had more time to deal with that. I gave a speech which has been quite well watched and well received uh, at the conference in China uh, on democracy, shamocracy, uh, call it what you will. Uh, and I made the obvious point that the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So how is the eating of the pudding going in, say, the United States of America? How is it going in the United Kingdom? Are we enjoying the pudding that democracy has produced? 
Is democracy really the choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Is that the best that America can offer? Rishi Sunak wasn't even elected and he is the prime minister. I don't mean wasn't elected by the country, that's self-evidently true. But he wasn't even elected by the Conservative Party and never would have been elected by the Conservative Party. They think we should still be ruling India, not that an Indian should be ruling us. Lance, I could go on, but the hour is late and I cannot. The poll is closed. 13,626 people voted and overwhelmingly they believe that uh, Trump's presidential hopes have been boosted by the events of this week in that courtroom in Manhattan. Though beware, uh, Lionel's wise counsel, that whilst he might beat the first rap, there are other raps coming down the pipeline and this may merely have been an opening salvo. The YouTube comments are flooding in. I simply can't get to them all, but I will read them. I always read them. After the show, Centaurus says the Stormy, Stormy Daniels affair is just a storm in a D cup. And the ration, ratioing, R-A-T-I-O-I-N-G, the ratioing, Hamza Haggis Humus might be even better. And Anthony again, 1981, George Galloway is my source for political analysis. He is witty, funny, honest, and courageous. Furthermore, he has some of the best guests around. And I, for one, conclude that the second part, at least, of that statement is absolutely true. Michael in Southampton will be, I think, the last caller. Let's see how long he speaks for. Michael in Southampton, go ahead. Oh, good evening, George. What a delight. What a pleasure to be able to speak with you. Um, I have to reflect again what you what you echoed that Lionel. Wow. What a piece of history, TV history in the making I've seen this evening. I was I was, I was I aghast so. with his. You know, oh, when no. uh, when <laughs> when uh, the great when the great, great Oscar Wilde went to the United States and was asked if he had anything to declare. He said, I have nothing to declare except my genius. And now the United States is sending a genius to us across the airwaves in the form of Lionel. Oscar Wilde would have been proud of that performance tonight, and I can't say much uh, higher than that. Go on, Michael. No, well, it, just, it just reminded me of the extraordinary verbal gymnastics you know to retain the oratory and the skill and actually so very funny um and i and i was joining you i was getting my hanky out i was getting my hanky out at the same time yeah yeah <laughs> very very I think very we're not alone there's a lot of people uh doing so if only i could get on a stage with lionel if only he were here or i were there i feel sure we'd pack theaters across the land do it please Go on, Mike. Yeah, no. Uh, just to say, if that if that if that, if that was uh, a bill, I would I would I would uh, I would I would line up and buy the ticket. You'd buy a ticket. Away. You'd buy a ticket. Yes, indeed. God yes, bless you, Michael, uh, in Southampton. I hope Thank Lionel you. 
here's uh, what you uh, said about him. I appreciate it uh, very much. Indeed. Well, my 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 final thoughts are are uh, somewhat scrambled because of the terrific variety of issues that we have dealt with the this evening. I suppose my overwhelming uh, takeaway from the evening, notwithstanding the genius of Lionel, would be the pain etched on the face of Mike Jones. Who knows? that but for the grace of God, uh, that bomb might have blown his head off. He goes to that cafe. He has spoken at that very table. He has sat in that very seat where that bomb exploded in St. Petersburg. A terrible injury was inflicted uh, fatally on one person, and not yet fatally on some 46 other people, including a child and many women. There can be no justification for that kind of terrorism, and yet justifications have been pouring in from the hypocrites of the Western media and political class who would not hesitate to reach for the thesaurus for new ways to denounce the evil of exploding a bomb in a cafe full of civilian people and journalists. And yet, here in this country, and I think across the so-called Western world, every effort is being made to justify the unjustifiable. Now, one could uh, take that in a number of ways. But here's the way I take it, as I've already said. I take it as yet another station of the cross, yet another station on the Via Dolorosa, yet another station to the end, because our society is coming to an end. Our society as we have known it, and as our forefathers have known it, for fully two, three, three and a half centuries, is rapidly coming to an end, more rapidly than anyone could possibly have imagined. If I had said to you 14 or 15 months ago that Iran and Saudi Arabia, that Syria and Turkey, that China and Russia, would be coming together with the speed and comprehensiveness with which they now are, you would not have believed me. And I wouldn't have said it because I couldn't have predicted it. I couldn't have predicted that Saudi Arabia would be selling its oil to China for RMB, for Chinese banknotes instead of dollars. I couldn't have dreamed that MBS the crown prince of Saudi Arabia would have said, as he said today, I no longer care about pleasing the Americans. We are acting in the interests of our own country and people. I could not have conceived of MBS saying that. I could not have conceived of the United Arab Emirates, of 
countries around the world that you could never have imagined would have the cojones to stand up to the United States, but which are now doing so. The Prime Minister of Malaysia setting up an AMF, an Asian Monetary Fund, announcing that there is no further need for using American dollars. Indonesia, a giant from which my own wife and therefore three of my children spring. A behemoth of a country, the fourth or fifth largest population in the world, the largest Muslim country in the world, but invisible on the international stage until now. Because they too have expressed their intention to join the BRICS and join the SCO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, where already more than half of the world are to be found and more than half of the wealth of the world is to be found. The BRICS is growing so fast that as Tom, I think it was earlier in the show, pointed out to us, it'll soon be supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's been marvelous for me. I hope it was for you and if it was, come back on Sunday at the slightly earlier time of 7 p.m. UK time. Do check time differences and join me if you can and bring another viewer with you because you might think that I'm very pleased with 1.24 million viewers, but I'm not yet satisfied until I can tell you that it was 2 million. Thanks for watching.